Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a a, a March Madness edition of Bill Roden on Sports. I'm here on this rainy Sunday afternoon. Uh, here up upstate, upstate. That's all I'll say. Uh, a lot of American flags flying. Mm. Increasingly gives me the creeps. <laughs> but uh, anyway, I'm up here and uh, joined by my co-hosts, uh, two co-hosts in uh, Brooklyn, the great Jamal Murphy. Murph, is that? I'm good. I'm good, Bill. You know, just uh, watching this March Madness. Going to get into it, but you know, watching the last two black coaches standing, and it was a kind of a lopsided uh, affair. Right, and of course, uh, holding down in Manhattan, uh, the great Steve Wilson. Steve, what's going on? Hey, Bill, Jay Murph, good to be with you again, and uh, especially during this March Madness time, uh, you know, COVID, but they're pulling it off, so I have to, you know, give props where it's due. So um props to all these players and coaches uh for doing their thing i don't know i mean (laughs) (laughs) well you're right it's not quite that simple but (laughs) (laughs) really i mean you know it's kind of bizarre really you know yeah yeah it's like i don't know man i don't know what to say i mean we're watching and these young kids they playing but you know, I mean, it's clearly all about, I mean, it's about money. You know, I mean, I guess about competition. What do you guys think about this? I mean, Steve, you mentioned you want to give them props while we start with you. <laughs> you know, like the morality of, of March of March Madness. I mean, you could argue that the madness is playing basketball in a pandemic. In Indiana, of all places, probably one of the conservative states, you know, home of the ex-vice president, you know, I mean, and, and everything that entails and people in denial about, you know, anyway. So, okay, let's talk about giving them props. <laughs> no, well, 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 certainly all of those things you mentioned uh, are, are completely relevant and, and you, you're right. You can't overlook it. I guess I'm, I'm thinking in terms of, uh, you know, what these, particularly with these young players, um, that, you know, they, they're playing, it seems to be, especially in the round we're watching now in the last couple of rounds, but I think throughout the tournament, um, they've been, you know, just playing up to their level. Frankly, I was, I mean, with all of the concerns you mentioned, we've talked about it before, I thought, man, this, this is, this is going to be really bad for the morale of these young players, particularly. Um, and, and as we've seen early on in the tournament, uh, like in the case of UVA, where they had to miss a game. But um, honestly, I didn't expect, I did not expect the competition to be this high. I thought, my thought was that the players would be at, so adversely affected mentally by all of this. But, but I guess as if they're going to do this, go on with this uh, tournament, and it, it seems, I guess, as as best that could be done is being done in terms of how they, you know, it's all in the bubble and, you know, I guess similar to what the NBA did. It's about as close as they can get to it anyway. Um, I mean, honestly, in the beginning, I, I probably would have, if I were the commissioner, said I said, no, no tournament this year because we're still in this thing and this COVID thing. But, you know, so I'm not, I don't want to say I'm really endorsing the idea of having for future purposes doing it like this again, because I really don't think we should be. But here we are, and I, I, you know, so far, it seems that they've mitigated the worst. So, and and the players have have stepped up, and um, in spite of everything, being away from home, from campus, and uh, man, they're, they're playing their butts off. Hey, but Murph, didn't we see that uh, at the NBA bubble? I mean, in terms of competition, because that's the one thing that struck me about the NBA bubbles, that they were really hooping. I mean, yeah. you know, uh, that they were really playing. It was it was sensational basketball uh, in the context of, like, that bubble. So, I mean, what do you, you think about everything, the morality of it, 
Uh, you've written some great pieces for the undefeated. Um, you know, your, your piece um, about the women was sensational. Uh, your piece about the um, the black coaches was, was sensational. So what's your overall take, the morality of it, but also the competition of it? Well, Bill, I'll answer that in a second. But uh, but first, a word from our sponsor, uh, Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all sports action. March Madness is upon us. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Got that, Bill? <laughs> uh, so head head to the website betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sports book experts. Yeah. All right. We we got the we got the bill, we got the bill endorsement. Yeah. I like it. I like it. <laughs> um no, I think I think the bubble, you know, yeah, you're right. The the NBA bubble showed that, you know. As, as you said many times, you know, it's, the, you know it's, it's basically getting back to the core elements of the sport. All these kids are used to playing, you know, not in front of fans, um, you know, playing hard no matter who, no matter who's watching or how few people uh, practice, obviously, um, is where most kids get better. Um, so the intensity has been there, you know, um, in the NCAA tournament. And remember, they played, they played all season in front of no fans and that type of thing. So, they, you know, they're pretty used to it now. Um, and they played all season to get to this point, to be able to play in this type of tournament. So, yeah, I mean, despite the fact that um, they're being exploited by the NCAA, <laughs> which which is always the case, right? That's not. That's not. That's not so casual. But that's not. How's the weather? And that's not. That's not new to this year, right? I mean, they, they've, been, they've been. You know, they've been exploiting them for a hundred years. So, um, you know, despite all that. Um, I know the NCAA was probably saying, thank God Rutgers is out. We ain't got to hear from, what's his name? What's the brother? Yeah, Gio, Gio Baker. Yeah, thank, yep. God they, <laughs> thank God we got rid of him. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, I mean, all things considered, you know, it's not a, it's not a great, you know, the NCAA, we know, we know what the issues there. We need to keep trying to, you know, change things as far as that goes. One good thing about this year's tournament is that the their treatment of the women got a little exposed. Um, so that, you know, so maybe right. that helps the women's game in the future. Um, you know, even the women's, you know, we all talked about the weight room, but, but I heard, I think the, the former coach of Notre Dame, I want to say Muffet McGraw. Yeah. Muffet uh, McGraw, yeah. yeah. She said, you know, I didn't even realize. Yeah. She pointed, she pointed to the, to the court, the differences of, you know, the men play on, you can't tell where they're playing because they play on the March Madness court with a decal and, you know, so everything looks the same. Then you look at the women's tournament. Why couldn't they do the same thing for the women? I mean, it's not, I mean, is it really that hard or expensive to do the same thing for the women? No, you have them play it on random courts. So it doesn't even look as professional. So, right. Yeah. And so, I mean, you know, well, well, there's so much to unpack here before we get to the level of competition, but the inequity it seems like this year, this whole pandemic year has just exposed so much inequity between wealth, black wealth, white wealth, access to, to medical treatment, access. I mean, I, during the pandemic, you know, when when a lot of white folks or wealthy folks were escaping to their second and third homes. Right. Uh, and I guess it even started with Hurricane Katrina. So, and, and it, it, you know, now the microcosm of basketball, women, the disparity in treatment of, of women. I mean, I, I don't know. What do you think we're going to take away from the disparity, do you think that I, I, you know, people are just gonna say, well, you know, better to be better to be on on the plus side than on the minus side? Do you think it's gonna this is all gonna make an impact? In, in, you know, in, in terms of trying to equal the playing field, or do you think we become so anesthetized to the inequity that people are just saying, hey, so be it? You know, uh, survival of the fittest. I think. Well, first of all. Uh... I give credits to these student athletes for who was the player from Oregon? I can't remember her name, but she it was her video that yeah, exposed yeah. us. So I give her credit for posting that because that really, you know, made everybody go, "Hey, wait a minute!" You know, um, but that has to continue. That kind of activism has to continue. So I think, you know, what has come out of this past year with activism 
that has to continue, particularly towards this issue. I mean, frankly, and I've been I've been saying this for years. I would like to see the NCAA abolished mm. um, be, because of what what it's about, because of the exploitation. There's no question about that. Now they seem to be capitulating towards some kind of reform or some kind of uh, structure where student athletes can get uh, you know money for their name and likeness. But that remains to be seen. I don't think we should hold our breath that they'll do the right thing. I don't think they're compelled by any kind of moral compass. That's for sure. Right. But, um, but I think that the activism must continue uh, until things can be set right. And Congress, at some point, has to step in. Unfortunately, those good old boys in Congress, you know, sit on the board of directors of you know whatever nonprofits or country clubs, the same as these NCAA guys. So. But that that has to change too because the NCAA is not accountable to anybody, so they can do whatever they want. So, but I think the activism has to continue in the meantime. Yeah, yeah. Do you? Another thing, again, before we get to the competition, do you guys think? And I was thinking about this earlier today. You know, everybody's talking about the fans and no fans, and people say we missed the fans. Do you guys think that fans have learned their lesson in terms of? I know everybody's talking about, oh, we want the distractions back, voice of distraction. But in terms of civility, if you're on social media and you see how fans roast players, fans, fans kill coach, you know, do you think fans have really learned their lesson? Do you think that they're going to come back any more humble? And, and Steve, I mean, as a musician, I know it's kind of a similar thing I mean, in terms of audiences not, you know, you know, gradually coming back to venues. Do you think that fans, as audience play, you know, have gained any more of an appreciation of either the athletes or the musicians or practitioners, or basically, you know, they say, listen, man, you know, we missed the distraction. Hmm. I don't know. That remains to be seen, Bill. I think maybe in the short run, uh, but you know, when we think about the stands being full again, which will probably happen starting in the fall. That's what it looks like now. And then, of course, yeah, fall with football and then all the other sports after that. I, I, I think we're going to pick up, it's going to pick up where it left off, quite honestly. I, I mean, Jay Murphy, you probably have another insight into that, but that's my, that's my thought is. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think it's going to pick up where it left off. I don't see, I haven't seen any kind of like extra appreciation you know, from fans or, you know, uh, you know, nicer, gentler fan as when it, when it comes to the, to the player, I think, and really, I think it's just getting worse because it's really just following what's going on in the rest of society where, you know, the people are more blatantly racist all, you know, ever since Trump was in office. So in turn, I feel like I'm seeing more vitriol towards the athlete, you know, more, you know, social media, you know, attack, you know, quick to attack, an athlete. I'm just. I am happy that at the way I see the athlete responding now. Whereas the athlete, you know, gets a message like that on social media and they'll just put it on blast. You know what I'm saying? Just put it out there. Um, who was it? A uh, Kofi uh, Coburn, the big right. man from Illinois. He received some. He received some hate uh, messages on social media. Someone, you know, someone called him a monkey. Some some uh, Illinois quote unquote fan called him a monkeys. And he and he just, he he retweeted it, put it up there, you know. So the guy's handle is there for everybody to see. And he says, "I blame his parents," which is true, you know. That that's who you blame. You blame the people who raised this guy uh, to be like that. So uh, I like I like what the athletes are doing in response. Yeah, and the same the same thing happened to the player from Ohio State. Right, right. In the first yep. round. Liddell, yeah. Death threats that that days. Right. So it's it's so yeah. To that point, you're right. Here's something you didn't know about me. I'm going to dominate 2021. As soon as 2020 ended, I took a good look in the rearview mirror and said, F you 2021. For me, it's all about self-care and love, which means I'm focusing on being happy and feeling relaxed. Mental clarity is the first step to my better life, which is why I've been taking down Sunday scary CBD gummy bears like candy. When my mind starts racing, or I need to decompress, I simply pop two gummies, and in 20 minutes, I'm in max relax mode. And there's no risk to buy. The company offers a 100% lifetime money-back guarantee. If the product's not for you, that's okay. You'll get your money back. Sunday scaries. In the stress-relieving business, 
not the stress-causing business. I got you 25% off to prove it. Visit sundayscaries.com and use my promo code BROS, B-R-O-S, for your discount. That's promo code BROS, B-R-O-S, for 25% off at sundayscaries.com. They're effing amazing, and you won't regret joining their squad. On the court, you know, uh, you know, <laughs> the good news is that there'll be a black coach uh, getting to, to the, what, the Elite Eight, uh, Juwan Howard. Yep. But Michigan, unfortunately, our guy, uh, Leonard Hamilton, uh, was sort of the victim, you know, of Florida State got trounced. And, you know, I've, watching them, I felt the same way when I watched uh, a couple of years ago Deshaun Watson play, play Pat Mahomes. And I said, okay, I can just relax and watch the game. I don't have to pull for the black coach, you Great. know, so there are two of them. But I did, you know, I mean, I guess sentimentally, you know, Leonard's been doing this for a long time. You know, and uh, there's been a push to get him in the Hall of Fame. So I, I did hope that, um, you know, Florida, you know, Florida State could do it. But I guess that's the thing about sports, Jamal, is that you got to win. I mean, right. not about yeah. sentimentality and all that. And they got blitzed. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I was kind of rooting for uh, Leonard the same way. Uh, you know, the one thing missing on his resume is a Final Four appearance or a championship. Um you know, he's been recruiting great the last, you know, five plus years. So I think he'll be he'll be right back in his situation next year. He, this is this season was his third consecutive Sweet 16. So he's been doing his thing, um, you know, making Florida State a consistent program. Then, you know, they run into Jawan Howard and and Michigan and Jawan Howard has, you know, he's I mean, he I can't see how he's not going to be coach of the year um, this season when it's all said and done. I mean, he's had these you know, Michigan playing like this all season, they weren't, they weren't like a preseason top pick um, to be where they are. He kind of has like a pro mentality coming from the Miami heat. You know, they play tough next, next man up. Remember they're playing without their best offensive player right. all season coming into the tournament. And, and, you know, the way they, the way they took care of business against Florida state, you got to put them right up there with Gonzaga and Baylor who are like, who are the front runners to win this thing. So they, they look great. And uh, you know, I mean, if, you know, unfortunately, he had to beat Leonard, but at least you know we got somebody with a good shot to make the Final Four, uh, yeah. which would which would be you know a, a big deal. So, Steve, what do you think? I mean, I know you've been watching the tournament. What do you think about our guy in Houston, Calvin Sampson, man? What do you think about our guy Calvin Sampson, Houston, man? Everybody, what do you think about the tournament in general? But what about Houston? Man, I'm glad to see him get back. I'm really glad to see him get back because, you know, he kind of fell off of the radar for a minute after he left Oklahoma. And uh, I think we're really seeing the quality of his coaching. Um, you know, I remember this team from, uh, well, it's last season before, uh, well, yeah, last season before the COVID scene hit, you know, and uh, you saw them coming on then. Um, and especially with the player that they, uh, the player they have that really he's the, the straw that stirs the drink for them, Jero. Um, yeah. But I, I'm really I'll happy. For, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> uh, but I'm really happy to see him back, man, uh, uh, at this level, get to the Elite Eight uh, to remind people that um, he's in the upper echelon of, of all-time great coaches uh, and, and what he's meant to the game. And, and I think he's a, he's a great motivator, a great teacher. So uh, this reminds sort of missed him when he was at Oklahoma, you know, or, you know, if they didn't realize who he was then, they, they'll know who he is now. So I think it's it's fantastic. Yeah. Hey, Jamal, let's talk about the women, too. Uh, mm -hmm. Not the women, too. Let's talk, let's talk about the women first. Connecticut is looking all of a sudden unbelievable, you know. Right. Uh, but I'm, I'm still liking South Carolina. Um, let's talk about the women's the women's tournament from the from the black perspective. And then let's just talk about ball. From the black perspective, you got she's an OG now. She's the gold standard, uh, Dawn Staley. Uh, she's yeah. back. She's back in the uh, elite eight with a win today, about eleven point win today over Georgia Tech. Um, and this is her fourth elite eight with South Carolina. I think it's in the last six years. Okay, and she's already she's made two Final Fours. She's won a championship. So this would if she can win, uh, I think Tuesday. Uh, she'll be in her, it would be her third final four. She's been very outspoken about what's going on, both on the racial side and, 
and in terms of uh, you know gender equality also. Um, so I mean, she's you know she's really, if not the spokesman, period. I don't, you know, black or white for the for the sport right now. Um, you know, she's one of them, and you know, all, so so they look good. Uh, you know, you gotta like her chances in terms of at least getting to the final four and maybe even winning a championship. Like you said, UConn has has been great. They always have the best talent, so can't you know? It's not a surprise. They you know they they have the best recruiting class. Seems like year after year. Uh, there's also another black woman coach who's in the elite eight. Um, Arizona's coach, yeah, yeah, Adia Barnes. They look great. Yeah, and. I, so I want to say you. Her father was a football player. I want to. I want to say his name was Peter Barnes. Yeah, man. Arizona is looking tremendous. Yeah. Way, like, yeah. yeah uh, no, they're looking great. So, and you know, it's been a very entertaining tournament. A lot. Of, I mean, lot, these girls can play, man. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, you know, the future is bright. The future is bright for the WNBA. Future is bright in college. I mean, I just, I just think, you know, give give this sport five to ten more years. It's going to be a whole different ball game. Yeah, you know, interesting thing about uh, Adia, uh, you know, she she played uh, she played at University of Arizona, uh, and then she played seven years in the uh, WNBA. Yep. Uh, played overseas. Yeah, she's the daughter of NFL player Pete Barnes. Right. Uh, although he divorced Adia's mother when she was three, but yeah. Uh, yeah. So her dad played in the NFL. So you know. And again, very, very impressive, man. And um, and Arizona's Arizona's very impressive. So you know the women's tournament is great. Let me ask you guys. So what do you think will be the key? I mean, we, we start off the show talking about the women complaining about the facilities and court. Uh, you know, in terms of your own, you know, viewing habits. I know Jamal, you're a connoisseur of the game. What is it going to take to really break down? Sort of the gender barrier. Uh, I mean, I know that's sort of say, how do we end racism? How do we end racism? But uh, do you think we're getting any closer to that? Anytime you see the blatant disparity um, of of facilities, of exposure, and they're playing just as hard, if not harder, and they tend to be much more vocal, women players, and and outspoken than, than the men. Yeah. No, I mean, you know, like you said, it's it's a complicated question in, in general in terms of, you know, I th- there always probably will be some sort of barrier. But I think I think, you know, it'll begin to to diminish um, as as we move forward. Like like you said, the women aren't playing around like they're you know, we're at a point where they're going to call everything out like, you know, whatever, whatever kind of inequality is, is, you know, the NCAA feels like they can get away with the women aren't playing around anymore. They're going to call it out every chance they get. And that's only going to help, you know, get, you know, get rid of those, those barriers. As far as the game itself, man, you know, like the, you know, girls are out here, you know, it's just like when you look at the grassroots stuff, which I do a lot with, with the other podcasts up next, um, you know, these girls are out here just like the boys, like, you know, fifth, you know, starting in third, fourth grade, um, you know they got girls rankings. You know rank. You know you know we got fifth graders saying that they you know lists about who's the best in the country. Um, you look at these girls skill wise handling the basketball is no different from the young men um, coming in the game. So the game is is going to continue to grow. That's why you know I just feel like you know they they're seizing on the momentum. The younger generation, the younger girls, they see what the the women in that WNBA in college are you know speaking out and all this kind of stuff, demanding respect. Um, that's only going to help the game in the long run. So yeah, I think, I think, you know, th- we're going to look back ten years from now, and we're going to, you know, for, uh, we're going to see uh, women's basketball be taken much more seriously. I think in the future. I guess just a couple other things before we leave. Um, this has been kind of optimistic. Speaking of optimism, we've been kind of optimistic about the black head coaches saying like, finally, there's been some upgrades. Why don't you take us through some of the upgrades and changes? Again, with your guy, Shaka Smart. Yeah, well, yeah, we'll start, we'll start with him. He, you know, for, you know, uh, Shaka, Shaka had a great season this, this regular season, this season after, 
you know, some average to, to better than average seasons at Texas. He was already on the hot seat. He had struggled to get in the tournament a couple of times, missed one, missed the tournament once or twice, I think in his six years there, I think he got him there four, five times. Um, but unfortunately he was old for five in the tournament when he got there. Um, and especially this year it was heartbreaking because like I said, he had his best team. Um, they, they won the big 12 championship and he was all, you know, he's, he's, he was on the hot seat for years before that. So all the last thing he needed was to be, was to be upset in the first round. That's the only thing he needed to avoid was the <laughs> upset in the first round. And of course it happens. So I think he did, you know, he ends up taking, so he ends up taking the Marquette job. Uh, Marquette just had fired uh, Wojciechowski from Duke. Um, and uh, Shocker Smart is a Wisconsin native. Uh, so Marquette, he can, go, he can go back to Wisconsin. It's a, it's you know Marquette is a good program. It's in the Big East. They have a you know long history of success. They have tradition there, um, and it's a place where you can win. and And good players will come. Remember, Dwayne Wade went there. Um, they get you know the, you know he he'll be able to recruit there. So I think it's a good starting over for him. Um, it's not going to be easy. He's in the Big East. There's a lot of good coaches in the Big East. It's still going to be a tough situation. But it was definitely time for him to go before they got to him. Yeah, yeah, that's true move. Were, were you were you surprised to see that, Steve? I was a little surprised I, um, that it happened this fast. <laughs> um, so that that says that they they must have been in talks for a minute. But um, but no, I I I agree with Jay Murph. You know, because uh, just realizing he was on the hot seat. Um, I was as a as a VCU alum. I was happy right. to see him leave VCU because I thought he was really building something special there, and I thought that he could have had some really uh, extraordinary recruiting had he just stayed another year. But I get it, you know, you 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 got to strike while the iron is hot. So I, I get that move, and I was hoping the best for him when he went to Texas. But I don't think things have worked out. It seems to me he hasn't been able to really recruit in terms of keeping up with the level of recruits that. You know he has to compete with in that conference, so I think the Big East is a better move for him, and and a, a great move for him to sort of start over, reboot, and you know rebuild on this credibility. Yeah. What's some of the other moves, Murph? Well, how about today? We we had uh, some news today, which was very, uh, I was that's surprising to me. You know, Indiana had a had an opening, and they they hired Mike Woodson uh, to be to be the head coach of Indiana. Remember, he doesn't have college coaching experience; he's an NBA guy. But I guess, you know, just like Jawan Howard and Patrick Ewing, right. he's not getting they're not giving him NBA opportunities. So he's like, hey, you know, let me let me look elsewhere. And then so Indiana, he you know, he played for Indiana. So there's a connection there. Um, but there's so much pressure at Indiana that, you know, is this the, was did he make the right decision? You guys tell me. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's not like he's replacing Bob. I put him in the same position as POTUS forty five. Yeah, I don't, I don't say his name. <laughs> I mean, we all knew he was an asshole, but now, right. you know, now it's but, documented. Yeah. yeah, now it's documented. But, um, uh, but again, it's not like they're coming off hellacious seasons. I mean, so and, and I'm wondering if you know everything is copycat. You think that a lot of these brothers and sisters going to be getting. Uh, opportunity to see what, uh, like you said, Juwan Howard, mm -hmm. you know, NBA NBA experience, mm -hmm. uh, Patrick Ewing, NBA experience. I'm wondering if if that's going to kind of be a trend, particularly as these people do well. Um, you know, and I think Indiana could be a gold mine. And I agree with that. You're right. I think if these guys do it with the NBA pedigree, I think it will continue to open some doors. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that, that can be a great thing. Uh, because you know, I think, well, in the in the college basketball, uh, and the situation with black coaches is considerably better than it is with football. We know that mm -hmm. um, football is a long way to go. Right. So, uh, so in relative terms, NCAA basketball is better. It's it could still be better, but but I think this could help it even more. Uh, if these if these guys with the NBA pedigree, um, can get in there and and make some waves, I think it's gonna open it up. Open up the door even that much more. Yeah, the thing I was saying too, getting back to the smart, the shocker smart thing, is going to a place like Texas, which big football school is rough. Right. We're going to a place like Marquette in the Big East. The Big East has always been all about basketball. Right. It's always been about basketball. Uh, they they went through that 
mistake period where they were trying to bring in football schools like Miami and all that. But that's what made the Big East great, that it was all about basketball. So, you know, hopefully that will work out for a shock. I mean, it's worked out. He's always been able to step, say, one step ahead of the posse. So mm -hmm. um, I think that's, that's a uh, big move. A couple of other changes, Jamal. Uh, um, uh, I think Penn State got a black head coach. Yeah, there are a few. So there are a few uh, Power Five teams that that have, that brought on uh, black coaches this season. So that's a positive. Like you said, Penn State, Micah Shrewsbury, he's a career assistant. Uh, also NBA background. He he was an assistant with the Celtics for a while. Then Purdue most recently. Uh, Minnesota hired Ben Johnson, uh, a brother. He's a he's a career assistant. Most recently with, with Xavier. And Boston College uh, hired Earl Grant, who was coaching at uh, Charleston Southern, or the college, sorry, the College of Charleston for seven yeah. years. So, you know, three three other guys, uh, you know, get big time Power Five opportunities. So that you know, like you, but just like you said, they got to win, baby. Got to win. Speaking of which, uh, I guess it's time for, or as we close in the March time, we, you know, probably by the time we do another podcast. We'll be calling the final four. Who's going to be in the final four? Well, let's say the final four of men and women. So, I mean, my final four, my, I'll tell you, my original final four, I only got two left. I had Illinois, who got upset. I had Texas. We already talked about what happened to poor Shaka. Um, so, Gonzaga and Baylor are still alive. That, that was going to be my championship game. As of now, I'm going to, I'm going to take Michigan to uh to beat either Alabama or UCLA whatever happens there tonight. Uh, so I like Michigan as my third. And on the other side, I'm going to go uh Kelvin Sampson in Houston, man. Uh, you know, I think it's uh it looks like it's his time uh you know to get to get to the final four. Uh rugged rough team, you know, defensive minded. They're going to play Oregon State who's who's come out of nowhere um to get to the Elite 8. So um, yeah, I think, I think it's Calvin Sampson's time. So I got, I'm going to go with Gonzaga, Baylor, Michigan, and Houston in the final four. Well, I'm going with Michigan and Houston, mm -hmm. coach of the color. <laughs> yep. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'd like to see Gonzaga get upset. <laughs> well, who, who's, who do they play? They play, uh, oh, okay. either you, they're going to play either USC or Oregon. That's tonight. Well, it's hard. To, it's hard to cheer for USC. I, have you guys been watching this scandal? Of watching the uh, it's on Netflix, but it's about. It's called. Uh, oh man, the college I, scandal thing. Yeah. Well, on the yeah, the college scandal thing. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, I saw that. Oh, it's, it's, it's running now. Yeah, it was. It was great. It was great. Yeah, like everybody should watch it. After you watch that, you you look. How could anybody at USC still have a job? <laughs> exactly. you know, I mean, how can anybody at USC still have a job? You know, it was UCLA too, right? Stanford was in, was Stanford? In, involved. Yeah. Oh my God! And and, and how wow. people got us? Oh my goodness! And again, I forgot when we I was <clears throat> talking about the disparity, but just how these people are like getting into the Ivy League schools and the donations and saying, well, you know, you give them, uh, you know, five hundred thousand. That doesn't even get you to the door. Yeah. It's like wild. millions. And I mean, I don't know. This whole year has just been about that. And uh, I read a book about uh, Ivy. Uh, I wish I had the, the, the name of it. But it's about uh, it's about how how these universities were all built on on, 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 on slave labor. Slave labor. In the slave right. economy. Right. Uh, and... Uh, and another book, uh, I wish I had them at hand. Maybe I should get them. Uh, this is courtesy of, of George Raveling. He's got the reading list. But about, um, but but that one in particular, you know. But 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 looking at looking at that documentary, I'm saying I can't. I was gonna say I, I want USC, to, but I cannot <laughs> uh, promote USC. So I guess it's Gonzaga. They'll you know. Uh, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure. Slave labor built Gonzaga too. You know, all of them. All, all of them probably. Well, we're in the Pacific Northwest. 
<laughs> and, the, and then slave slave labor continues to uh to make them money. That's right. That's right. Yeah. That's just called amateurs. Right. You know? Right. But it's that's just right. the whole idea of somebody's got to be exploited. But anyway, so yeah. So I want two coaches of color. Uh, I'll I'll I'll, I'll call Sampson um, a brother at yep. Houston, and they're playing well. Uh, and Juwan Howard, and then whomever. Uh, <laughs> you, know, and, you know, and then whoever is there any way that Houston can play Michigan? Uh, yeah, in the in the final, it'd have to be a final. That would make motherfuckers sing, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and then, hey, it's, it's possible. Make it all worthwhile. Those are all those two. Those two are very good teams. It could that could happen. Oh my god! Then yeah. you know. And then I wanted to go tell uh, Samson's backstory about his grandfather. Right. You know, lumpy and, and, and you know, chased off the Ku Klux Klan. His that grandfather. Was, yeah, his grandfather fought to get rid of. I I wonder if CBS is going to tell that story. You know. Mm. That's, yeah. man that's that's great that's great I, I yeah i hope that they do profile him and, and that comes out that would be fantastic man yeah i, I thought i was gonna have to fight jamal to get to do that story so you're gonna see that story <laughs> in the undefeated um, <laughs> <Jamal>. <laughs> nah, that's, you know, that's you bill that's all you <laughs> I'll, hey, I'll, I, pitch it, I'll pitch it and then well no we already assigned that to jamal <laughs> <laughs> the didn't even know. <laughs> That's that was in my pitch. Hey, Bill texted me this great information. <laughs> no, he's not told Bill. <laughs> so you, you have to put that in the article, man. <laughs> yeah, well, good luck with that. Oh man. So, so what about you, Steve? What is my? Oh, uh, you know, I have I have Gonzaga and Bella in the final, yep. and 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 uh, one cat to watch. And this is actually I'm kind of hoping for that because I think that the, there's a special player to watch, and uh, he's on Baylor. Uh, Davion, I'm not Donovan Mitchell. <laughs> right. Man, this cat. If anybody can really disrupt Gonzaga, it's this guy. This wow. guy is a, a tenacious, hellacious defensive player. I mean, on both ends of the court, man, he just wreaks havoc. And I, I think he's probably the best defensive player in the country. Um, and, and, uh, you know, watching Gonzaga, they play fast on both ends and they just wear their opponents down, you know? So yeah, they're a talented team, but they wear their opponents down. That's, that's what they did today with Creighton. I mean, mm. I watched the, the, the center of, uh, for Creighton, man, this cat was out of gas, like around at the five minute mark in the first <laughs> half, he was gone, man. Right. <laughs> so, but, um, but watch Davion Mitchell, man, because I think if, if they meet in the final, he's going to really give them hell. I want to take a brief moment to talk about our newest sponsor, eBay. Whether rare dead stock or the latest release, find the exact shoe you're looking for. As the original sneaker marketplace, eBay is the place to go to cop the pair you've been eyeing. With eBay's authenticity guarantee, your sneakers are meticulously inspected by independent professional authenticators. A team of experienced sneaker authenticators verify the box, logo, stitching, and dozens of other inspection points. Each sneaker also receives an authenticity guarantee tag that includes a digital stamp of authenticity. And it also protects sellers with a verified return process. And for sneaker sellers out there, eBay has eliminated selling fees on sneakers for $100 or more, making it free to sell or flip your collection. So go to ebay.com sneakers today. eBay, the world's best destination for discovering great value and unique selection. What about the women, Jamal? I put you on the spot since you. Final four. You know, I'm I'm gonna go with UConn, uh, Stanford, uh, South Carolina, of course, yeah. and I, I'm a, I'm gonna throw Arizona. You know, we'll have two women of color, hopefully, in in the final four on that side too. That would be great. But yeah, the, all great all four of those teams playing, they would have. I think they would meet. Wait. Um, no, I don't think so. I think UConn. It would UConn would be would meet Arizona and then South Carolina would meet uh Stanford. So I think they could play I think Arizona's South Carolina could be a championship game. Okay. So my, my women's final four, forget the final four. I want the championship game uh, with Arizona and South Carolina. All right. Right. All so right. on one night we'd have we'd have South Carolina and Arizona playing for the women, 
and then we'd have Michigan playing Houston for the men. That would be that would be a perfect way to end like you know the the winter and winter sports with a, a black triumph. Right, and then and then of course, hopefully that would be that would create a domino effect because you know you've said this and you hear it from the coaches themselves. They think the key to to seeing more of this is the success that these coaches have. Uh, you know, unfortunately, a lot of white people they just they have they has to be right in their face in order for them to realize that there you know there are other options out there to be coaches and success is something that they can't ignore. So. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, having having championship games like that would be helpful uh, to the profession in the future. Yeah, yeah no, that would be that would be great. That would be great because you can't ignore it. And like on a back to back day to be Saturday and Sunday. I mean Sunday and Monday. Right. You know. Right. Right. So let's pull for that. Uh, before we go, man. I mean, I know we talked briefly about Deshaun Watson. Uh, what mm. what are the updates, Jamal? And, and what do you have? You guys changed your Thinking, and I, I know we're waiting for this to sort of unfold, um, but it continues to be um, a remarkable story just in terms of somebody who a month ago had, you know, had the NFL and the Houston, Texas on the run, you know, and now all of a sudden it's changed. Have you guys changed your perspective on it? Do you have any thoughts uh uh, on, on the Watson situation uh, as we wrap up? Well, I appreciated your article because that's a, that's an angle where, where, I mean, you know, you, you, you talk, you know, you gave credence to all sides and um, we don't know what, what we don't have any idea really what the facts are at this, at this point. So I'm, 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 I'm also waiting to see what the, what the, what the facts are and how they come up, but I'm glad you mentioned the elephant in the room is, which was, which no media person I've seen mentioned it, which is about, it just, it just sounds fishy. I mean, he had all this leverage, um, you know, he, he's, he's asking to be traded. Texans don't want to trade him. We're all talking about how much leverage he has. And then all of a sudden he has 25 women come, come out saying that, it, you know, that he, you know, he sexually is abused, assaulted them, you know, through massage parlors and this kind of thing. And, yeah, it, that, you know, like I said, I want to wait for the evidence to see, you know, you know what actually happened. But the story in and of itself just sounds crazy. Like where like all these people just come out of nowhere, you know, to a guy we, we thought was an upstanding citizen, um, you know, prior to demanding a trade. So, you know, I just got to wait and see because because it just sound, it just doesn't make sense the way it is now. Yeah. I agree wholeheartedly, man. I think it's just another brand of Texas justice, mm. you know, a Texas injustice. Um, yeah, it smells funny. It just smells funny. I mean, come on. There have been no police reports before now. Nobody reported anything. Are you kidding me? I mean, look, the, the women have the right to be heard. So I want to say that off the bat. They have the right to be heard. And, and we'll we'll hear you know, everything from both sides, but it just looks very fishy. And given that it's in Texas, I mean, it could be anywhere in the United States, but in Texas, particularly, we know how stuff works in Texas, man. So it just seems very suspect until we get facts that that uh, are verified. Otherwise, I'm not uh, I'm not buying into it. It I I don't know, Joel, you're an attorney, but it's also weird that's just one attorney handling all these cases. Normally you think you'd have other attorneys, you know, but right. they're all going to the one guy, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, a lot, you know, a lot of time, I mean, well, remember when it first, when he, when it first came out that there were, there was a, you know, a few women uh, making these claims against him. Uh, Watson did respond right on social media and said, you know, I don't, I haven't seen the complaint yet, but I'm telling you, I've always respected women. And he mentioned that the attorney had reached out to him, uh, you know, for some sort of settlement beforehand, before making stuff public. So that, you know, that that's a little shaky in terms of a, an attorney's behavior. Um, 
you're right. A lot of a lot of these cases, you know, an attorney will will have one person, and he's trying to strengthen his case. So he's you know he's out there looking for others who have similar stories. Um, so, you know, those, you know, if like you know, we we have to. I just have to wait and see. Those, you know, for all I know, all those stories could be true. Right. But I do. But I do feel like you know, just the when you look at everything in context, it's just very fishy. Yeah. So you know, who knows? Maybe we'll see Deshaun Watson with Sass Cash one next year. <laughs> Yeah, we can't end the broadcast uh, for acknowledging the passing of the great Elgin Hangtime Baylor, somebody who um, was just a great, uh, just a great one-on-one athlete. Never won a title uh, with the Lakers. I think they won a year after he retired, Um, and a lot of people only know him for his tenure as an executive with the Clippers, but um, you know, I just wanted to acknowledge his career, his life, his contribution to the NBA. I, I did see him play. Mm-hmm. I saw I, I saw him play. I grew up in Chicago, and uh, I just remember him one particular. I don't know why one particular play where he just took Will Chamberlain to the hoop when Will was playing with the Philadelphia Warriors, mm-hmm. and Elgin had just such great body control. That's why they called him hang time, mm. you know, and he was just a great one-on-one player. And I think he played uh, for the College of Idaho, uh, something like that. And a guy named R.C. Owens told me about him because apparently there was a little, I'm not, I'm not quite sure, about, but a lot of his brothers were, ended up going to like, for some reason, College of Idaho. You took some of these like, out west kind of schools, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, just want to acknowledge Elgin and, uh, Man, just what a great life, just a great career. And, um, you know, God bless him. God bless his family. I never saw him play, obviously. I, I uh, So I remember him more as an executive with, you know, and, you know, with the Clippers and with, with Sterling. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but when you when you look back, like, what's his legacy to, to you, Bill? How do you, when you look back on him as a player and, you know, and an executive, like, what what's... To, I mean, well, the executive, unfortunately, that probably was not his shining hour. Right. <laughs> uh, and unfortunately, that's how a lot of people are going to remember him as this black guy who probably was a little too silent. Uh, mm-hmm. One of the most racist owners, one of those bigoted owners uh, in the NBA. And Elgin was just kind of there. So unfortunately, I think a lot of people, you know, who uh, didn't know his playing career, know him by that, which I think is a lesson, too. Because I think that, you know, a lot, of, a lot of guys were playing. Well, how are you going to be remembered by a couple of generations from now when people never knew you as a player? They just know some of your actions, you know, of what you did or did not do. And I think Jordan, people kind of remember, a certain generation remembers him as just being this neutral athlete, you know, who's now, you know, owns the team and all that. But when they dig into his, what, his activism, he was a counter-opposite. Counter of activism. So I think that, uh, you know, what you do on your career is fine, but what you do outside of that is right. important too, because that's going to have the longer, the longer life. But what do you do outside the numbers? You know, what do you do for your people? You know, what do you do to advance the cause of, you know, social justice? You know, did you participate? Or did you just sort of go along to get along? You know, uh, and, you know, that there's a possibility that, that um, Elgin could be judged somewhat harshly in that respect. Because right. uh, as a player, he was a great player. But, and, that, and that's important. But I don't know if, you know, the numbers fade. Eventually, somebody's going to break your records. Somebody's going to, you know, win more championships. Somebody's going to do more stuff. You know, but it's what other stuff did you do? You know, so... Yeah, that's mm-hmm. what I'll say about that. Yeah. Well, listen, um, I am watching, uh, you know, basketball. Uh-oh. Uh, you know, I mean, what you know, ex- exploitation, <laughs> exploitation at all, you know. Uh, <laughs> right. What can I say? Well, uh, I, as I told, you know, I have friends of mine tried to get on me for watching college basketball, and they're big-time NBA fans. And I said, hey, man, the pros are slaves too, you know? <laughs> 
Well, as as, as, as says, it's volunteer volunteer slavery. Right. right. <laughs> I'll do it. I'll do it. Take me. Take me. <laughs> I'll go. <laughs> right. Right. All right. Well, listen. Um, enjoy enjoy the rest of the tournament. Uh, hopefully, we'll have we'll have a, a black Sunday and Monday for the championship game because we could we could actually do that in two segments. Right. You know? Yeah. Right. Um, but uh, all right. Well, listen. Thanks again, everybody, for listening. Uh, the great Jamal Murphy. Thank you, uh, Steve Wilson. Thank you uh, to our millions of listeners. You know, hang in there. Uh, don't equate the fact that summertime is coming with being, you know, irresponsible because you just don't know what this thing is. Mm. You know, might be too late. Might be too late. I know. I know. I know. Mm. I know, be in New York in the summertime and people just saying, fuck it, you know. So, but be careful, everybody. Get those vaccines. Get the vaccines. I think everybody in this call, right? Maul, yeah. you got to post your shots? Yeah, I've had one. I'm, I get my, my second one in a couple of weeks. Oh, you haven't got your second one yet. What about you, Steve? You got both your shots? I got the first one. It's the same thing. A couple of weeks, I get the second one. Oh, wow. Well, I'm the only fully vaccinated <laughs> person here. That's right, Bill. Yeah. You, you, you can go to the bar. Oh, you, hey, hey why, why aren't you in uh, South Beach? I know. Let me, let me <laughs> oh, boy. All right. All my way. I'm, not me, brother. Yeah. <laughs> See, even with right. fully vaccinated, you ain't going there. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows what that means? Yeah, right, exactly. Right. Exactly. Because yeah. I'm vaccinated, doesn't I mean you're vaccinated. I might I might stay out of Florida for the next five years, you know. Ever. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's why well, I don't know, that could be the only thing. Well, hey, anyway, that, that's another story. They talk about Deshaun going down to, to Florida. Oh man. Oh uh, yeah. Well, yeah, uh, yeah I'm sure there'll be a Florida a variant showing up soon. Seriously. <laughs> oh, God, that's like, a Florida whoo! variant. Yeah, nothing Florida. nothing can stop it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all. Listen. Uh, stay safe. Everybody be careful. Be good. Have fun. God bless. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube you know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks that's what our podcast people are the worst brings you with each episode i'm rachel And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.